When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. If you missed our day one recap of uh, these joint practices in Philadelphia, where we are right now, uh, go ahead and go back and find that on the Apple podcast or Spotify feed and give that a listen. We're going to talk about day two and kind of wrap up the joint practices in general here. We are sitting in the media house in Philadelphia. It's not as exciting as you would think. You know, I mean, we've talked to Mary Kay about like, we need a, a media reality show. And this is like the start of it to have a media house. But unfortunately, this isn't, this isn't quite what I had in mind. We need like a, a big brother or like a real world or, or something like that. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's get to it here. Uh, let's look back at these practices uh, Monday and Tuesday. Today, the tone of practice. Let's start there. I feel like the Eagles weren't thrilled with how Monday went. And one of my big takeaways, and I'm about to post a, a little column about this with some observations, it just felt to me like the Eagles wanted to deliver a statement here. And I kind of feel like they did. They came out, they were very physical, they were very loud on the sideline and on the field. And you know, we come to find out that the Browns weren't happy with some things because Joel Batonio voiced some displeasure after practice about some cheap shots and hitting the quarterback and, you know, putting their hands on the quarterback when maybe they aren't supposed to do that. Uh, Mary Kay, what, just kind of all of that in one thing, what, what did you come away today feeling about these practices? You know, uh, there were a couple things. The first thing uh, that I took away was the fact that the, you know, the Eagles defense really did take it to the Browns today. And it reminded me of back when the Browns practiced against the Indianapolis Colts a couple of years ago under Freddie Kitchens. <laughs> and, you know, the first day they felt kind of bowled over and humiliated. And they came out the next day and they had their hair on fire. And I sort of feel like that's what the Eagles did. I think the Eagles, you know, they are the Super Bowl runner-ups. And I think that they felt like they did not perform yesterday the way that they wanted to against this Browns defense. And they might not have been ready for what the Browns defense had to offer. You know, now you've got Miles Garrett and Zadarius Smith and Oboe and Juan Thornhill and Martin Emerson, you know, another year older. And I just think that they really, you know, were kind of taken aback a little bit by the Browns defense yesterday. They came out today. They wanted to impose their will 
I thought they did that. They were really good in the red zone, especially safety Reed Blankenship. He had three interceptions in these two practices. Two today, uh, we saw a fight. There was chippiness. It was just all ramped up. Yeah, Ash, I mean, all the talk after day one was like, like the Browns defense, looked, like both defenses were really good on day one. Mm-hmm. And I think a big piece of that was the Browns kind of matching that level of intensity and matching that level of physicality. And the Eagles are a prideful team. They've been to a Super Bowl, right? Mary Kay said it. They, they were Super Bowl runners up last year. You know, they went toe to toe with Kansas City in that game. And they want to get back there. They know what it takes. And I just, I, again, Nobody's going to sit up there at a podium and say it, but I have to imagine when those guys went back and watched, whenever they watched that, whether it was this morning or last night, they just couldn't have been happy that I think there were some times where maybe they got pushed around by the Browns a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think that was kind of like the discussion yesterday. It seemed like like if you were going to pick winners, quote unquote, (laughs) of these joint practices, like I would say the Eagles probably won today, but I think in a closer fight yesterday, the Browns probably won. And that's even without like us seeing, I think, we did not yesterday or today see Deshaun Watson at his best. Um, And both days he did get intercepted, but I think you definitely felt that physicality, that loudness coming from the Eagles sideline throughout practice. Um, And I do think it was just, it was noticeable. And I do think it was funny because Josh Sweat talked yesterday and it was almost like a little bit prophetic, I think, in what he said, looking back on it and remembering today, he was the one kind of responsible, one of those guys who got in there towards Deshaun Watson because he was talking about Jim Schwartz. And I just wrote a story about this, of those Eagles players talking about him and his defense and what kind of impact he had here. And he said, I still do the same thing. It's just attack, attack, attack. Get off the ball. And I always remember what you told, what he told me. If you hesitate, I'm going to have to get you up out of here. So it's like, it just is crazy. Like, you know, we basically saw that. He said that he still does everything that Jim Schwartz taught him for the three years that he played for him. And, and you definitely see it on a play like that. You see that physicality. Um, okay, so I, I want to get into, there's a lot I want to kind of get into here about joint practices and things like that. Um, maybe we'll do that in the second half of the pod. But Mary Kay, well, let's spend a little more time on what Joel Batonio said. Because, listen, Joel's a veteran. He's been around. Um, I'm pretty sure that was, like, part of him answering the very first question he was asked was bringing up. I mean, he used the word cheap shots. Um, you followed up with him. I followed up with him. And he didn't back down from anything he said. He kind of delivered the message in the way that Joel does it. But he was very clearly up there to say something that was on his mind. Now, he was scheduled to talk before the practice, and so I don't want to give the impression that he like just went up to the podium and talked on his own. But um, when he got up there, he definitely wanted to say what he said and, and get that message out there about cheap shots and kind of protecting his quarterback. Yes, he really did. And good for him, because that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to stand up for your quarterback. You're supposed to be mad if the opposing defense is knocking the ball out of your quarterback's hand in a practice where they're not supposed to touch the quarterback. You're supposed to take care of him. So I thought it was good that he said it, but just to make sure that he was cool with the way that it came out, I checked with him afterwards and I showed him, uh, you know, the way that I tweeted it. And and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't, you know, taking him out of any kind of context and that he really wanted to go that far because charges of cheap shots. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty strong. That's pretty strong, but you know, he was, he was ready to do that. And, you know, I give him credit for doing that, but that is what happened. I mean, there were at least two occasions. It's, you know, it's very hard to see. We're looking at 180 
players out here. And they're far away, and you know it's hard to see exactly what's going on when they're all the way down the field. And there's two. And there's two. Simultaneously, there's two things happening. There's two things happening at once, and some of it is really far from us. Um, But and you know I might have like a better description later. But um, on one occasion, I believe it was uh, Josh Sweat, who had a nice day yesterday, too. Um, he, you know, strip-sacked, would-be strip-sacked Deshaun and knocked the ball out of his hands. And that can be dangerous if your quarterback doesn't expect that kind of contact. So, you know what, I give, I give Joel a lot of credit. And then you had Dewan Jones, who got in there and mixed it up a little bit and did some pushing and shoving to defend his teammates during that fight. Yeah, I like that the Browns responded by you know, fighting a little bit, not going overboard like in the Freddie Kitchens year <laughs> when they just fought everything that moved. But, you know, they responded. And Joel responded then in the media afterwards. Um, and again, I've said this before, but these guys that talk to us all the time, they know what they're doing. They know the game. And Joel especially knows the game. Um, and by the way, again, you know, we're here. We're around. If players want to ask us about something, if we tweet something out, they think it was out of context, we're here. We'll check with them. We try to be careful with this stuff. So that was a case of that with you and Joel Mary Kay. Um, but going back to, going back to, I guess, that part of it, Ashley, there was a play that I saw that I just happened to glance when I looked over at where the Eagles were going against the Browns defense. And I saw Jalen Hurts. It was a quarterback run. And he actually, like, I don't, I don't know if he initiated the contact, but he took contact. Like, he wanted, he kind of, that's how the Eagles play. Mm-hmm. He And so he kind of just bowled his way into the end zone. And not every team practices like that. And I think the Eagles are a team under Nick Sirianni and with Jalen Hurts at their quarterback, they want to set a physical tone. So it probably, it probably wasn't anything to them. They're like, oh, the ball's there, I'm just going to swipe it away. Yeah. But, as we know... You just you have to be careful around the quarterbacks, and that's what the Browns took issue with. Although, yeah. I do want to point out that DeWan Jones' fight, too, came after an Eagles player flattened Demetri Felton yeah. on an interception return. Mm-hmm. So, again, the, all of it was just the Eagles were very, very physical today. Yeah, I mean, I don't mind the Browns kind of showing a fight in that in that way, and, yeah. you know, and causing that little skirmish, like, especially because, like, the little fight that happened, and, of course, we can't film anything with the team drills at both of these practices, but... When it happened, it didn't go overboard, like punches weren't thrown, it was just some pushing and shoving, a small little melee of players that kind of happened and popped up. But I think like at this point, it's almost better to see something like that, right? Because at least it shows some fight and that you care. And hey, even if from an X's and O's standpoint, you probably lost the day and Joel, I think, was the first one to admit that um, and lost the red zone periods at the end, which were key. It, it shows some kind of, hey, we care about this. It's been long, hot days. Again, I looked up the temperature before the day started. It felt, because I was like, there's no way it's only 89. It has to be way hotter with this humidity. It felt like 96 when these guys got out there. Like, it was, it was not the most conducive, happy-go-lucky environment to begin with, either, that they were dealing with these last two days. And you could tell it was coming. I was standing next yeah. to Zach Jackson uh, right before it happened, and he kind of said, like, there's going to be a fight today. Like, you could tell when this stuff is brewing, and lo and behold, I, I wasn't sure practice would be long enough for us to get to that point, but it didn't take much longer from after he said something about that, and it happened, Mary Kay. This was just... I, I guess... How do you feel, like... So the Browns responded, obviously... But also, 
I mean, if we're keeping score and joint practices, they did kind of lose this practice. So how did you feel about their performance just overall today? Well, you know, they, they did lose it. But um, the way the fight went down today, it reminds me of this sort of like inside joke that my husband and I always have. And it is, we're going to fight. You pick the topic. <laughs> <laughs> and then that is the way it was going to go today. Yeah. They were going to fight. So true. And they needed to get that up. Because really, for the most part, you can't do that against your own teammates. Right. You've got to wait until joint practices. And it's so hard for these guys not to fight in these joint practices. Now, they got through both of them last year without it, and they got through yesterday. And finally, the dam broke, and broke, and they had to do it. So, um, And I think that was in part, as we have been saying, because... They didn't feel good about yesterday. Mm -mm. The Eagles did not feel good about how yesterday went down. I'm sure they saw some tweets. Some of their own local media had been saying, you know, the, the Browns defense got the best of the Eagles offense. They didn't like that. They want to win the Super Bowl this year. So tempers were flaring. Everything was ramped up today. And, um, and you know, I, I just think that unfortunately for the Browns, this practice did not go the way that you would want to see your big test against a Super Bowl runner-up going when your opener is happening in like three weeks or whatever it is. But what has to be remembered here is the fact that some of your key players were not out there. And most notably, of course, Elijah Moore wasn't out there. So it's been the Elijah Moore-Deshaun Watson show since the beginning of training camp. To not have him out there, I think it threw everybody off. I think it threw Amari off yesterday. I do. So I just think that, you know, being without him, it, they, they just lost their juice a little bit. And I think that showed up in the red zone and in the goal line periods today. And, and we talked about this on uh, the pod after practice one. It, I think it raises some concerns a little bit about your depth at, at receiver, especially with Marquise Goodwin out. Who knows if and when he'll be back. Um, it, it raises some concerns there. So I guess here's my, my big question coming off of this practice. Um, Ashley, should we be concerned about this Browns offense? Because I feel like we haven't really seen it get humming. It looked good mm -hmm. on Friday night against Washington, but I also feel a lot of that was kind of hand the ball to Elijah Moore and then some playground stuff from, from Deshaun Watson. So, which, which is fine. That works sometimes. That's, Deshaun is really good at that stuff, but... How do we feel about the Browns' offense now that we've seen the starters play a series and then go against the Eagles here in these joint practices? I think I come away from it like a little bit concerned on how much they might be relying on Elijah Moore to juice this thing up and bring some creativity to the offense. Um, and look, it's like with, when Elijah's not out there, I think it becomes really apparent that they fall back on a lot of what they used last season, which is Deshaun's relying on Amari Cooper a ton. Amari is consistently drawing like the best defensive back on the field his way. Um, and I think when you don't have Elijah and you don't have Marquise Goodwin, like that speed just isn't there the same way. But again, we saw Elijah like line up in the backfield, go in motion. He's taking handoffs in that game against the commanders. So I think it almost like goes back to, for me, like a lot of my thinking around the time of when we were questioning, like, should they pursue DeAndre Hopkins? And it's like, well, you can never have enough good guys in that room because injuries are going to happen. Guys are going to get banged up. And I think Dan, you were the one to say, if they're going to use Elijah in those creative ways, he's going to be prone to taking some of those harder hits and things. So it is kind of an interesting conundrum. I think that's my biggest concern. Like, I'm not concerned about Deshaun Watson being rusty. It's just like, 
is this pass catching core, does it really have enough to kind of use that creativity? Yeah, Mary Kay, how do you come away from these practices feeling about this offense? Well, one of the things that, uh, one of my takeaways is the fact that I, ex I have expected more from the tight ends. I have expected more from the tight ends. And when you look at the Eagles, for instance, you have the triumvirate of A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and then Dallas Goddard. And so far, David Njoku hasn't really popped in, yeah. the, in this offense yet. And Jordan Eakins hasn't really popped in this offense yet. Now, he actually had a ball intended for him in the end zone picked off today. Yeah. Uh, and you never really know exactly why something happened, but, you know, that's not what you're obviously looking for. So, you know, when you don't have an Elijah Moore out there, you know, I think you kind of have to look elsewhere, of course, for some of those weapons. And we know that Harrison Bryant has missed this whole entire training camp with a mystery medical illness that we don't know what that is. Um, so some of the weapons you thought you were going to have, you don't really have. Marquise Goodwin, your vertical stretch guy, not on the field. So I think they need to like pivot a little bit, and they, but they need to diversify a little more and make sure that they aren't relying too much on Elijah Moore, that they're spreading it around more, and that Deshaun Watson is finding other guys that he really feels good about making plays with. Yeah, and Aikens had, he had a catch in 7-on-7. Seven seven. Um, I think it might have been a touchdown, but like, yeah, there wasn't really a whole lot there. And I think that's what I come away today. That was the other thing that stood out. When the Browns offense looked good, it looked good in 7-on-7. Seven seven. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, you don't play 7-on-7 <laughs> seven on, seven on Sundays. It's when, it's when that rush came on the field and you were going 11-on-11 11 11 that it really started to struggle. And so, I mean, that's got to be disappointing. I'm sure they're going to be watching the tape of this practice and they're going to be really disappointed um, with what they saw. But again, just looking out there and seeing David Bell and Anthony Schwartz and Demetrik Felton splitting out wide out of the running back position, like, I don't know. That, I mean, that's not... These aren't the rule. These aren't the roles that they have carved out for those guys, obviously, when, when everybody's healthy, but... As we know, in the NFL, not everybody's going to be healthy. You're going to have to win a game this year without Elijah Moore. You, you might have to win one without Amari Cooper. I don't know. He usually stays pretty healthy or plays through stuff. But you're going to have to win a game without one of these guys or a couple games without one of these guys. And I, it makes me a little bit nervous. And they're, you know, Ashley brought up the name, Mary Kay, DeAndre Hopkins. Are we going to be sitting there in week three saying, man, he really would have looked good here? <laughs> Well, you know, I, you guys know I wrote a column saying they should sign him back then uh, when they had the opportunity to do so because I thought you you need a sure thing for Deshaun Watson, somebody that he feels super comfortable with and that he can go out there and make sure that he can, uh, you know, connect with for over a 1,000 yards. And to me, it almost seemed like a no-brainer to, to go ahead and do that if Deshaun really wanted it. Now... Maybe they know something that we don't. Maybe Deshaun was trying to do his buddy a solid and get his name out there and make sure that, you know, that he was, you know, relevant and in the news and, um, and wanted and desired. Um, but if he really wanted him, then I think they should have made a little bit more of an effort to go out and get him. Okay, let's take a break. Man, this has been a real downer of our first half of this <laughs> Let's take a break. Let's do some takeaways from what we saw over these two days. And I do want to talk a little bit about joint practices, just kind of in general, how we feel about it. We'll do that on the other side here. 
And welcome back to the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock. Here's where I tell you all the things that you have to check out. Um, Instagram, right now, just close the podcast app, the audio run, open up Instagram, give us a follow, search Orange and Brown Talk. Find us on YouTube, Cleveland Browns on cleveland.com, and then also become a football insider subscriber. Uh, go to cleveland.com slash browns and click on the blue banner at the t- the blue banner at the top of the page. It's been a long two days. Um, to get texts, to get a newsletter, I actually wrote uh, to Wednesday's newsletter. Mary Kay wrote Tuesday's. Ashley is writing... Wednesdays, Thursdays, I don't know what day it is. They're coming up. You gotta get subscribed so you can read the stuff that we put in these newsletters. You're writing Wednesdays. I'm I writing, writing Wednesdays. I'm writing it on Tuesday. <laughs> yes. Whatever. We write there the we newsletter, go. so get subscribed so you can get that newsletter. Cleveland.com slash Browns the blue banner at the top of the page for info on that. Okay. Takeaways from these practices, Mary Kay. What did you take away just overall? from watching these two practices. You know, Dan, because you thought we were Debbie Downer in the first (laughs) half, I'm going to go positive in the second half. And I am going to say the Browns' defense is so much better than it was last year when they faced the Eagles in these joint practices. And we didn't see it today. Why? Because your best defensive player was not on the field today. He was not out there. Miles Garrett sat out with a foot injury, and I'll tell you what, he basically, we've talked about this, had his way with left tackle Jordan Milata yesterday. And it was evident that they would have needed to chip and double-team Miles yesterday to stop him, and that's a great sign. Um, So I think that the defense is going to be so much better this year. I can see, you can see how good Zadarius Smith is. You can see, uh, you know, that, that Shelby and Delvin and Juan Thornhill and, um, and all of these guys are, are going to make for a much more dominant, stout, solid defense than, than what you saw last year. Martin Emerson, now we did see him get, uh, you know, beat on that one long pass today by A.J. Brown. But for the most part, he's pretty darn good for a second-year cornerback. Greg Newsom hasn't even been out there because he's been hurt. Um, but I just think that that's my biggest takeaway. They're better. Yeah, and so obviously there's the pass rush, but I was thinking about this today, Ashley. They did, I mean, the Eagles hit on some plays, but I, there were times when Jalen Hurts would roll out or he'd be in the pocket and he wouldn't be able to find anybody. It yeah. seems like they were covering guys pretty well. So I think that's a good sign for this secondary too, that there were, there were times when Jalen Hurts wasn't being rushed but he just couldn't throw the ball downfield because there was nobody there. Yeah, and like times like that, it's just, it's just hard to gauge. Like, and I think it was Kevin Stefanski maybe talked yeah. about it even that like sometimes in these practices when they're not allowed to hit the quarterback, it's like okay, would that be a sack or would a guy be able to roll out and kind of scramble out of that specific situation? Um, and but they made him think, and I think like the place he ran into the end zone, they're not going to hit him. So it's really hard to to kind of gauge, I guess, from that perspective. But I, you know, I agree. I think my takeaway from a more like micro sense would be like the Jim Schwartz scheme is kind of working, I think, as intended right now. And kind of hearing those Philly players reading what they had to say about Jim Schwartz, hearing what Jason Kelsey had to say. Dan, I know you asked him, I think, the question. I, I about, didn't ask him. I was just oh, standing you there. You were standing there listening. But yes, you, you alerted us to it about him saying it was the best end to end D line that you're going to find. I think when you have a guy 
who's a six-time Pro Bowler, a perennial All-Pro at this point, um, and he says something like that, I don't think he's BSing you. I don't think he's going to BS, and obviously Cleveland Heights guy, but he's not going to BS about this team, I don't <laughs> think, um, and what he fe- how he feels after going against them two days. Um, so I think that, to me, it, it, it was the encouraging part of these two practices, for sure. Yeah, and he was saying that to Eagles media. It was a response to an Eagles reporter's question. So, I mean, there was no, like, he didn't have to give the Browns that compliment. There was, it's not like he was talking to us over at a Browns scrum or something. Um, so, yeah, I think it's meaningful when, when Jason Kelsey says something like that. So, Ashley, what do you have as a takeaway from these two days? I'm going to be bored. Like, I genuinely think that's it. Like, it's that <laughs> and then, like, the Elijah Moore yeah. stuff I said about the offense to me are, like, the big big picture kind of things. I guess like on a mic, if we're looking for another like micro kind of talking point takeaway in terms of the receivers, like to see David Bell kind of run with the ones today. I mean, Mary Kay, I know you've been adamant that his roster spot was never in question. So you should take a little David Bell victory <laughs> lap here. Cause I think seeing him with the ones means something, but again, I don't think David, it, it was kind of like the Cedric Tillman discussion. I think we had in the pod from Tuesday. He didn't do anything that like popped, but I think that's kind of David Bell in a lot of instances so far throughout his career. He's going to do the right thing. It's not going to be super flashy. Yeah, he you know he took that step up that you need your second year players to take. He's solid. He's in the right place. He's super coachable. He the coaches love him. And I just never thought he was going anywhere, and I still don't think he's going anywhere. And Dan and I are going to keep going back. <laughs> well, right now you're winning. <laughs> yeah, if he's playing with the ones right now, even though there, there's guys who are hurt, it, it tells you something. Yeah, I mean, he, he's going to be on, on the roster. I mean, I, I, I will have to give you guys something if he gets cut. I, I will owe you something. I don't know what yet, um, but I, I will give you something. I don't know. Um, but he, he's going to make the roster, and... Um, and he's, you know, he's going to make some plays for this team this year. It might be a little difficult uh, to get a bunch of reps if you're, you know, if you're David Bell. But I do think that there will be plenty of times where they find a way to get him on the field and get him some targets. Um, okay, so I guess my takeaway is just going back to what we said. So, you know, we a lot of times the talk of like who won a joint practice will get a big eye roll um, <laughs> from me, but. The Eagles thought this practice mattered a lot today. And if the Eagles think it met, thinks it, that it matters a lot, and they certainly have their eyes on bigger and, and better things than just a practice in mid-August, then this practice mattered a lot. And so to me, today showed me that the Eagles just have this other level that they want to go to. And when they want to go to that level, they're going to get there, and you better keep up. And I feel like the Browns are a team that for as talented as they are, Maybe they haven't quite found that yet because they haven't been together that long. They haven't been through a lot of battles together. They haven't. I mean, the Eagles have guys who have won a Super Bowl before, and they, of course, they have a bunch of guys that have been to a Super Bowl. So I, I just think we saw the Eagles go to a different level today that the Browns have in them, I'm sure. But they've got to kind of figure out what that is, and they've got to kind of find that a little bit. And sometimes you can only find that through going out there on Sundays and having some ups and downs and. You know, as much as they probably don't want to hear, maybe you've got to lose in the AFC Championship game or the AFC Divisional Round together and figure out kind of what it takes to to make that next jump. So that that's kind of one of my takeaways: is the Eagles came out today and they thought this practice really mattered, and that tells me something about them and and sort of what the, that this practice did actually matter. Well, there's a couple things about that. First of all, um, someone had mentioned to me that. Jalen Hurts keeps um, on his as his lock screen a picture of himself 
walking off the, the field after the Super Bowl with all the confetti, you know, coming down around him. And the confetti wasn't for him. And, uh, and you know, they feel like they should have won that game. They were up 24 to 14 at halftime, and they let it slip away. So that's what they come into practices like this uh, with that in the backdrop, with that in their minds, that they have unfinished business and, you know, they need to take care of everything along the way. And these practices were part of that. The other thing is, I think it, it, it's a sign of respect to the Cleveland Browns that, that they knew that they had to come out here and step up their game against them. They couldn't take them lightly. They couldn't just, you know, show up. And, you know, they found out what happened yesterday when they just kind of showed up and thought they could just do their best. They had to really bring it today. And I thought that's a sign of respect for the Cleveland Browns, that, that the Eagles, the Super Bowl runner-up Eagles, had to come and bring their A game today against them. Yeah, like they got a little wake-up call from the Browns, which says something positive about the Browns. They got a little wake-up call on Monday. It was sort of a... I kind of hate this for for this instance, it was, but it, there is a little big brother, little brother thing there where like, okay, the big brother got punched a little bit and realized, oh, the little brother's a little older and bigger than I realized. <laughs> and so they kind of just, they, they put the Browns back in their place a little bit, but the Browns certainly showed up here and showed that they can hang with this team. They've just got to kind of reach that next, take that next step. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they came in here and rolled over, and I think it would have been, like, fairly easy to do, right? Like, you're on the road, it's a couple of hot days, they're not going very long. I think it would have been easy for both of these practices to kind of spiral for them. And I think last year, again, like, we referenced these practices all the time. Last year, Philly came to Cleveland and looked dominant. I mean, especially their pass catchers. It just felt like they were doing anything they wanted. Um, and I don't feel like that was the case this year. So, like, I think the worst case scenario to me of what these practices could have looked like didn't happen because it would be almost like a repeat or a worse version of what happened last year when Philly came to Cleveland. So, I think that is something to take away. And the fact that, like we said, the Browns, even though it wasn't the best day for them, like fought back, I think it's it's good to see that kind of fight from them at this point in camp. And you know what else I think is important? I actually think it is so much better for the Cleveland Browns to walk away from these two practices, having gotten beat up a little bit on the second day, than to have walked out of here feeling really good about themselves after the first we day. We know what happens to this organization when they start feeling themselves a little bit. <laughs> right? I think that this wake-up call that they got today, especially offensively, and again, they were without Jack Conklin. They're all pro right tackle. They were without Elijah Moore. It's going to look better. They didn't even have Jerome Ford, their second running back. Um, but I think that it, this was the best thing that could have happened to them because the truth of the matter is that they're not playing on Thursday night, and they're probably going to play very little against the Kansas City Chiefs. So this was kind of it. This was their big test to see how they are stacking up. And they found out today that they have work to do, that they have to go back to the drawing board, that they've got to work on the red zone, and they got to figure out how to score the football a little bit more than they were able to do today. Deshaun is going to look at this film and realize that there are some things that he has to do better, right? I think all of them are going to feel that way after today. I think it would have been almost catastrophic for today not to have gone the way that it did. I actually wonder, 
I keep still keep wondering if that Chiefs game if they might play like into the second quarter. I don't know. We haven't heard yet. Joel wouldn't. Mention, I don't think Joel has any idea. He's the only other real starter. We, I mean, we talked to Miles, but we didn't ask him. But um, Joel didn't seem to have any idea what they were going to do. I do wonder because didn't Jacoby play? Did he play a half in the third preseason game last year? I feel I don't remember. This is great podcasting here. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, joint practices, Mary Kay. I know you've. Asked a bunch of guys about joint practices. You know, we remember when J.C. Treader was here, right in the, the heat of the CBA negotiations. Joel today talked about it during his press conference about how it feels like a game, and then you have to turn around the next day and play another game. Um, ultimately, how do you feel? I mean, for us in the media, it's entertaining. But how do you feel about joint practices? Well, I've said this for a very long time. Coaches love these joint practices. It It's such good work for coaches to see these football teams against other guys, against other looks. They love them. They are so in vogue now in the NFL. Everybody's doing them. Some teams are doing them twice a summer yeah. with two different teams. But here's my feeling on it. Like Amari Cooper said yesterday, these are like football games. These are like preseason games. And Joel echoed that sentiment today. Like, he woke up sore today. I mean, it's a, it's, he woke up nervous today. It's like a game. And I think they should be collectively bargained. These players have a certain amount of games that they're allowed to play. They're allowed to play 17 games. They're allowed to play three preseason games because they have collectively bargained and agreed to do that. Now you're asking them to completely knock heads against another football team on two days. So that's like adding two more games to your body and to your schedule. And I just think it should be collectively bargained. And I think J.C. Treader should get on that. And I think he should do everything he possibly can uh, to make sure that there are some regulations, some rules, some something, because these guys are like playing two more football games and some teams are playing four more football games. Yeah, and this is one of those things I feel like is, it's really hard. Like, it should be collectively bargained, but because of the, the just the way that football is, right, the union is not super strong, just because guys have such short careers, they don't want to give up a year and lock out. They don't want to, and, and I think the union suffers because of that, and so we see this every year, Ashley, like, okay, here's the one issue that the players are going to take a stand on, but they've got to give up something else big. So, like, you know, it was giving the NFL the ability to add a 17th game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whatever it was, it's always it always feels like when the players want to fight for something, the NFL says, yeah, sure, we'll give you that. But, oh, here's this other super enormous thing. Guess what? We're keeping the franchise tag forever, right? <laughs> like, yeah. So I think it's really difficult. And I, I do, but I do wonder, like, Again, if Joel is saying it, Joel and JC are close, and Joel seems to echo a lot of what JC mm-hmm. believes as, as the president of the union. So I'd have to imagine it's something that the union would want to try to bring up. Yeah, and I mean, I think in these instances, like, I tend to fall on the side of, like, the players should have some power to, you know, fight, state their case on this because they're the ones who are going out there and their bodies, their careers, their livelihoods are online. Now, I will say, like, agreeing with Mary Kay's collectively bargain point, like, I think that's something that should happen. Like, I think for me, who's not a player, obviously, but <laughs> in an ideal world, I think if they're going to have these joint practices, you don't need to have a game 
at the end of it. And I know yeah. these starters are not going to play, but I think the reality is the bottom of the roster guys at this point, like you probably have a sense at this point where they're going to fall. We're, you know, entering for the Browns, their third preseason game. Like, you know, a guy like John Kelly, for example, I wouldn't be surprised if the Browns already know where they see him falling when that 53-man roster shakes out. So I just don't think it's super necessary. Like, it should get you out of at least that preseason game with that team, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather watch two joint practices against the Commanders yes. and two joint practices because against the Eagles and sit there a preseason game. My thing is, I think they're, like, some of the most valuable parts of the preseason when you get to see joint practices from, like, an, an evaluation standpoint. But they're also, like, it feels like a game, like, for, you know, like Amari Cooper said, but they are slightly more controlled. It is a more controlled environment than getting out there when everyone can be hit in full go. And you could have somebody who's trying to make a roster spot on the other team, you know, going way too hard comparatively. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think that, for me, that's, that's part of it, too. Like, I think there's value in them. But I understand that they're hard on players, so I think the players should get something in return for for doing them. And I think it's hard, you know. Coaches love them because, like, at some point you have to play football. Right? Like, you can't just show up on September 10th having not actually played football. You know, getting hit uh, with whatever it takes. And for quarterbacks, that's always different. But well, I guess on today, Joel Batonio would disagree that it was different for the quarterbacks. But you do have to play football, and this gives you an opportunity to actually play football in a, a somewhat real but more controlled setting than in a preseason game. All right. I don't know. I, when does the CBA end? See, here I am asking another question we don't have an answer to on the podcast. I think it was 10 years when they approved yeah. it, so it's, it's going to be a while. Yeah. But, you know, I think it's an issue that can be brought up yeah. from an injury standpoint. I mean... And they if, can start pushing for it. Now. If they, Yeah. And if they, if they do a study and show... Hmm. What kind of injuries come out of this? What kind of concussions come out of this? I mean, Jack Conklin got a concussion. Um, you know, if they can demonstrate that it's not good for the player's health, then I think they'll have more of a case. But I've never really talked to a player off the record who loves these joint practices. Yeah, it's, t- it's tough to find them. Um, okay. That'll do it for this edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, recapping uh, day two and really both days of the Eagles practices. Again, if you missed day one, go back and listen to that. We put that up on Tuesday morning. Uh, that's in our Apple podcast and Spotify feed. Just get subscribed there if you aren't already. Um, and then we will have some form of a post-game pod. We might do the Friday thing, the day after thing again. We'll sort of sort through all of that. The Browns are back on the practice field on Sunday. So again, it's just easier to get subscribed to Apple Podcasts and Spotify so you can get these things when they drop during this weird training camp schedule. And again, I'll tell you again, Orange Brown Talk on Instagram, search Cleveland Browns on Cleveland.com on YouTube, and head to Cleveland.com slash Browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page, and become a Football Insider subscriber. For Mary Kay and Ashley, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening, everybody.